This is the GGC Life Podcast. We're in for an amazing week. Just remember, I want to remind you that Jesus changed the world with 12. With 12. Then, then he had 120. Com- completely committed to him. And he, the, the world shook upside down with the 120 in the upper room. Let's, let's trust God. Like As we're worshiping, I said, Lord, we just got to believe your word. Just believe the word. Can, can I really encourage you? Tonight, just to, we're going to read this word. We're going to we're going to get into the word. We're going to actually believe the word. We have the greatest message known to mankind. And I think of what Jesus said that unless I go, the Holy Spirit cannot come. Think about that for a second. And then and then in, in um, John chapter seven, it says, uh, verse thirty-seven, that whoever believes in Him. Oh, he, he that is thirsty, let him come unto me, Jesus says. Whoever is thirsty, loud voice. Whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Spirit. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had to die on the cross, pay the penalty for our sin, then consume the judgment of God against us, cleanse us completely, give us righteousness, cleanse, our, cleanse us from all our sin, sits down at the right hand of the Father and then could give the promise of, the, of the, what the Father has given. The, Father, the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, let's just believe this, living in us. Isn't that amazing? Holy Spirit, the power that created the universe, living in you, living in me. That's the gospel. If it wasn't, the gospel, good news is the, the whole purpose of why Jesus died on the cross is so that God can make His home in you. So your dead spirit gets resurrected back to life. And now God lives in us. This is what we have. And now when we read the Word, I just want us to actually believe what God, in His wisdom, knew how to put a blueprint together, a pattern together on how we're supposed to do life, how we're supposed to do church, how the kingdom's supposed to operate. So we're going to dive into um, Paul the Apostle. Most of you know about Paul. I mean, think about it, three Three quarters of the New Testament written by, by Paul. 14 letters or so. That's pretty powerful. And then he himself said about himself that he was a master builder. But obviously by the grace of God, he talked about himself and he says that God made him a master builder. And in, you look at some of the things that he did. He shook the world everywhere he went. Ephesus, the city of Ephesus was, was, was I believe, thrown into revival. Possibly up to eighty to 100,000 people in that church. That's my guesstimate. Not biblically, but just my guesstimate because it shook the, the silversmith's industry, which are making idols. And they were totally angry and upset because they lost a lot of income. And if you got 10% of the, the, the city saved, that's only 40,000 people. That's, the city was about 400,000 people. And I don't think 10% of income going down is not going to really shake their industry too much. So he really, I mean, there was a massive revival in Ephesus. Paul knew what he was talking about. Paul has the anointing, and he writes this amazing epistle. uh, The the book of Ephesians is, I believe, a genius. Genius what Paul put together. And when you read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, it's all about who we are in Christ. Do you know there's 144 scriptures in the New Testament about in Him, in whom? In Christ we have forgiveness. In Christ we have redemption. In whom? In Him. Every time you come across those scriptures, you can guarantee whatever promises around that, it's yours. 
In Him, we have forgiveness. Wow. In Him, we're new creations. Anyone that's in Christ is a new creation. And so, so Paul coined this in him, in Christ, in whom. And now in, in Ephesians 4, after he opens up chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, basically he says, you were dead in your sins, but he raised you alive with Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's your position. You're actually seated with Christ. Wherever the head is, the, the, the body has to be. We're seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that could be named. So, so Paul could be preaching, someone falls asleep. That's encouraging to any preacher. Because if, if they can fall asleep when Paul's preaching, it's fine if you fall asleep when I'm preaching. But, but, but when he fell from the third story out of the window, Paul goes down. It's okay, his life's in him and hugs him. And the anointing on Paul raised him from the dead. That's pretty powerful. Don't you want to listen to what someone like him's got to say? Like... Paul knew how to build. And, and so when you read Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to dive into this because I'm convinced the blueprint's clear in the Bible. If we can only get us as church people, believers, kingdom people, just to believe the Bible and live the Bible. Amen. So Paul starts in verse 1. Therefore, I, I the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. The calling, the invitation that you've been, you've been invited into is seated at the right hand of the Father. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. We have no problem actually with Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father. But there's probably a problem when we start thinking, am I actually seated with Him? I'm, seat, I'm seated with Christ? I'm in Him. He's in me. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're one. That's what He came to do, to, to, to raise us from the dead. And bring us and seat us in heavenly places with Jesus. And so because, when you get this revelation, this is what I'm trying to say. When you get this revelation of this glorious good news of what Christ did in, Christ did for us. When you get that, you say, I want to walk worthy of that high calling. I want to walk holy. I want to walk pure. I want to walk worthy of the calling that has invited us into this amazing relationship with the Father. And then it says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. It's interesting how we have to show tolerance for one another. You know one of the reasons why we have to show tolerance for one another? Because we're completely different to each other. And God has gifted each and every one of us completely different to others. And you have to show tolerance when someone thinks completely different. His perspective is different. He sees the truth different. He, he's got a different expression. And, and we've got to be tolerant of one another. That's the first thing Paul says. Being diligent to pre- pre- preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. The word unity is to be made one. To be made one of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word peace means to be made one. To be made one. And, and you know, a kingdom divided can't stand. Jesus said that. When we're divided, we don't stand, right? Then, then he goes to bring this amazing argument. There is one body. There is one spirit. Just as you are called, you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in you all. Isn't that beautiful? He says there's one body. Do we really believe there's only one body? There's only one body of Christ. When the Father sits on the throne and He looks at His body, He just sees the true born-again people that have given their lives to Jesus, put their faith in Christ, made Him Lord and obeying Him. He sees that. He sees the resurrected ones. 
that truly got born again. Not just going to church, but he looks at that and he doesn't see the labels we've got. He doesn't see the, the, the tags that we put our, on ourselves. Well, I belong to this group and that group and this group. He doesn't look at that. He just looks at one spiritual body. You connected to my son. You belong to my son. You belong. It's really important to believe this because this hinders us and working together. And he actually says, well, there's one spirit, just as you were called in one hope. There's you know, someone that, another church down the road that thinks different, maybe does things different, they still have the same hope as you. There's only one hope. Paul's trying to say, guys, let's get with it. There's just one hope. Um, one Lord, of course, one faith. Don't have two faiths. Oh, they, they, they have different faith. No, it's the same faith. You can only have one faith. If you're going to, be, you're going to truly be born again, you've got one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in you all. But then, then he says a but. That but's there for a reason. It says, like, but to each one of us, grace has been given. But to each one of us, charisma has been given. It means gifts. It's different charismas on each person. So there is one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism. There's one, 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 one. But to us, there's different gifts. Completely different gifts to each other. And he says, therefore, so we're right, yeah. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And because he, he fills all things and he's seated far above all the heavens, he has the authority to give gifts to men. Nothing can hold back what Jesus does. So when he gives gifts to men, like someone put it, he broke up himself and gave. It actually says here, and he gave some to be apostles. And these gifts are completely different to each other, by the way. They are extremely different creatures. And, and these creatures are supposed to get along together. They're supposed to work together. They're supposed to flow together. They're supposed to honor one another. Actually work, imagine that, work like a body. It's supposed to work like a body. Each body's got different members, different functions, different designs. And don't get frustrated when you don't, you're not designed like someone else. Or you're not functioning like someone else. So I should not get frustrated that he can't, hear. It wasn't designed to hear. Don't get frustrated. You can't hear. And an ear shouldn't get frustrated. They can't see. But we do when we compare ourselves with one another. I'd love to do what he does. I love how he does that. And, and, and we think, oh, maybe he's right and I'm wrong. And I'm, I'm, right, I'm wrong. Or I'm right and they're wrong. But you've got different functions, completely different design. We've got to honor one another in the body and actually think we need each other. Desperately, because that's why Paul's saying, one Lord, one faith, one God. Persevere through this, having tolerance for one another in love, in humility. That's the key. A pride person won't tolerate someone else, their differences, because they're different. And it looks like you're working differently to me. In the past, we've, we've thought that you're working against us because they think differently. What did Jesus say? Is if they're not f against us, they're for us. They wanted to stop him. The disciples says, they're, 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 you know, they're prophesying in your, in your name or casting out devils in your name. And they wanted to stop him. And Jesus said, don't stop him. They're not, they're not against us. They're, they're for us. Um, 
So when we understand that the apostles, so God, Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. What are they given for? They're given for the equipping of the saints. Everybody say that out loud. Equipping of the saints. What are they supposed to do? Equip the saints. They're not supposed to do, they're not supposed to do all of it. They equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's the next statement. So, so what are they equipping the saints to do? For the work of service, the work of di- diaconing, attending, servicing. The, serv- the saints do it all the work. Not the apostles do all the work. Not all the prophets, all the pastors. In other words, breaking it down, the job profile of an evangelist is not to come up and go do all the evangelizing. They can demonstrate, they can operate, they can show people this is how you do it. And it's great to invite people to church and evangelist wins the lost. That's fantastic. It's one little aspect of his job profile. One of his greatest job profiles is to, to, to equip the saints to do the work of evangelizing. So that every single believer can win the lost. That's God's heart. Not left to one person. And, and, and just please understand, we've done that for many, many years. The church, in our ignorance, or in our lack of revelation of growing in maturity, um, I want to talk a little bit about we're still in the process of reformation. Once upon a time, you didn't let the people 400 years ago didn't believe you could just get saved unless God called you to be saved. Like God had to sovereignly call you, and then you can be saved. You, you, you couldn't preach, whosoever wills, whosoever believes can be saved. And when people preach that, they go, you can't preach that. They thought it was heresy. And the revelation of the just shall live by faith. That's like, that's reformation, isn't it? Like we're coming back into truth. The truth was always there, but we fell into darkness. And God's bringing back truth. And I'm telling you, we're still coming into a lot of truth. And we've got to imagine what is it going to look like as the church comes into the revelation of the, of the truth of the Word of God. I'm talking about global church. I'm talking about kingdom. I'm talking about the, the kingdom of God, okay? Um, and so... We understand the so these job profiles are very important to understand. A prophet isn't just called to do all the prophesying themselves and look great, look at power, wow! And then we get wowed by them, and we might go, wow, wasn't that amazing? You know, I, I, I believe we're going to come into the days where we're going to go, wow, wasn't Jesus amazing? We're not even going to say, wow, wasn't the worship amazing? Wasn't Jesus amazing? And someone to say, oh, wow, the message was phenomenal. That guy was so good. He's so, in, he's just amazing. We actually say, isn't Jesus amazing? When you come out of a meeting, when you've, you've encountered God. Because every gift points us to Jesus. So a gift shouldn't impress where you go, wow, look at that guy. So a prophet should be equipping others to prophesy. All the saints to prophesy. We can all prophesy one by one, Paul said. Like we just got to get back to the Bible. Let's just actually believe the Bible. That's really what I, I want us to believe. That this, there's a blueprint. There's a pattern how we're supposed to build. When we don't build the right way, there is judgment. And it's not, not, not God wanting judgment. It's because you're not doing it with Him. So you're doing it with your own strength. So you're doing your own strength. Like, for example, if you build everything on one person. Once upon a time, I, I got saved in the 80s. And there was a lot of amazing, great men and women of power and miracles, and, and God would use that hunger. God would use the, the person seeking them, God, with all their heart. He would use it, signs, wonders, and miracles. But a lot of times, you know that God's generals, a lot of them, a little bit went astray near the end of their life. The weight that was on them, because the, 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 the Bible model or blueprint is their job was to whip the saints to the work of the ministry. And then cracks would appear. You know, there's a story of um, 
just a quick understanding of there's a story in the Old Testament when they wanted to move the Ark of the Covenant. And God clearly said from Moses' lips, written, you should move it with the shoulders of the Levitical priesthood, clearly. But they thought, no, we've got a better way. It's practical, it's faster, it's more convenient, it works. When it's practical, it works. And maybe the Philistines, they do it, they use the new cart. Just use a cart. Why why do it the the way God told us? Like they actually were improvising and saying, oh, we think we've got a better way because it works better, it's easier. And God said, no, put, move the Ark of the Covenant on the shoulders of the priest. It's for a purpose and for a reason. A reason. And, and, and you know what happened, judgment happened. Uriah went to touch it, it's stable, unstabled, and he dies. One of David's close friends. David was upset, frustrated, quite angry, and eventually found out later the reason why that happened is because we did not do it to the prescribed way. So when we don't do things according to this prescribed way that's written in the Word, there will be judgment. Because we're doing it in our own strength. We're doing it without God, if that makes sense. Um, for example, a biblical pattern, which we all believe, is very, very clear. It's found throughout the whole Bible, and the whole Bible teaches it. The priesthood of all believers. That's something we believe strongly because it's in the Bible, Right? In the Old Testament, it talks about, the, I, want, I want you to be a kingdom of priests. And then we know in the New Testament, Peter speaks about that where every single one of us are living stones and a royal priesthood. Yeah. Kingly, royal, every one of us. It's different than the, the one man or one woman being great and powerful. And he demonstrates the signs and wonders when we actually, we're all anointed to heal the sick. We're all anointed to flow in the gifts. Like just, just something so simple can save a church. Yeah. When you're actually building intentionally according to pattern. I'm just help us understand this we it's taken us decades. I think God the Father is so patient because he knows it's going to happen. Like he knows he's coming back for a perfect bride without spot or wrinkle. In Ephesians 5 it says that. So we know when Jesus comes back we're going to walk in this holiness, purity, power, miracles. It's going to be a beautiful bride without spot or wrinkle that he comes back for. So he'll get what he wants. Jesus will get the reward of his suffering. Do you believe that? Yeah. We're going to go in, we're going into that maturity. So, so did you know that in the 80s, not, not many people in the body of Christ believed in apostles? Very few, actually. There were some, but the majority of believers in the church worldwide didn't, didn't believe. Apostles were dead and gone. They're the 12 that, that, that died, and that's it. But the scriptures are clear here. Paul was one of the apostles, and he wasn't one of the twelve. And he and, and and there's many other apostles in the New Testament other than the twelve. There's more mentions of apostles outside of the twelve apostles than pastors in the Bible. So so here it says that God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists. So we need those five gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And more importantly, it goes on to say. For the building up of the body of Christ, that word is to bring us into maturity. And to bring us into maturity. What else is going to happen with the fivefold ministry working? What else is going to happen? Until we all attain the unity of the faith. Until we all attain the unity of the faith. Everyone say the faith. There's not a faith and I've got another faith. Someone's just got another type of faith. Just, there's only one faith. But God wants us to come into the unity of the faith. But we've read that uh, God's going to bring us into the unity of methodology. Unity even of doctrine. That might never happen. 
We all believe everything the same way. The unity of even uh, style of church, personality of church, culture of church, it's all going to be different. That's actually God's design. We've got to be okay with the church down the road is going to be completely different, but there's still the unity of the faith. No one goes to the Father except through Jesus. There's only one gospel, and it's the gospel of the kingdom, and Jesus is the one who died on the cross for our sins. Repent, accept Jesus Christ, follow Him as Lord, and be obedient. That's the gospel. You'll be set free of your sins. If we can agree on that, that's the unity of the faith. And then, therefore, we can work together. So what we've done in the past, I believe, is great moves of God. You know, John Wesley, one of the greatest evangelists and more likely apostolic. And then we all can't, or the great move of God happened and made a massive revival. And they all followed John Wesley. And then when he died, they created a Methodist denomination. But they camped around that one gift, pretty much. And so they, can you, can you mature with one gift? I don't believe so. Not, not if you believe the Bible. I believe with all my heart that if you're exposed to the greatest pastor in the whole world, you, no matter how good he is, no matter how amazing he is, how close he is to the Lord, how mature he is, it doesn't matter how anointed he is. If you sit under only his ministry, you won't grow up into maturity. I'm just convinced about that. Same with the greatest evangelist. I mean, Reinhard Bonnke, one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. Sit under his ministry only. T.L. Osborne, sit under their ministry only. No one else, only them. You cannot grow up into maturity. Not according to the Bible. And we can go on and on with apostles or prophets, any one of them. We need all five, all together, authentically gifted by Jesus to give to the global church. And we need all of them to, to train us, to, to equip us for the work of the ministry. I dream about what it's going to look like when this is happening. I, I've seen, you know, you've seen revival. You know, I, I love revival. I love what God's done in the earth, in, you know, the Welsh revival. Um, Azusa Street Revival. I've read all, a lot of the books about them and, 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 and a lot of them, because it's built usually on one or two or three or four or five praying people who interceded sometimes eight, nine, ten hours a day to birth it. And you, again, it lasts for two, three, four years sometimes, sometimes five, and it, it fizzles out because the weight of that one person. All they had to say to Evan is, all the glory is going to you and he was so humble he just pulled back. He pulled back and it stopped. Evan Roberts, that is, in Welsh Revival. But what I'm trying to say, it's not God's model. It's not God's best. God, does God use it? 100%. He'll pour out His Spirit on hungry people. But it's not going to last. Then I look at John Kilpatrick and Stephen Hill, anointed pastor, apostolic in heart. You know, John Kilpatrick, Stephen Hill, great evangelist. They came together by God's design. And I think John Kilpatrick's mother passed away and got him to preach and bang, exploded. Revival here, but two gifts working together. I believe God poured out His Spirit. But again, it didn't stay for sustaining, did it? It didn't sustain revival. Um, John Kilpatrick took Nathan Morris and did that in the Bay City Revival. An evangelist with a pastor working together. I just I love these little things that, that God is doing. And, and, you know, you see John Arnett and Randy Clark. You had Ronnie Howard Brown pray for John, Randy Clark. Randy Clark being an evangelist with John Arnett, pastor together, bang, revival, Toronto, outpouring. They're all great lessons and learning and receiving. And we, it's, it's God. I mean, God did great out of them. I, I, I see the fruits of the Pensacola revival. Daniel Kalenda was a part of it. Eric Gilmer was a part of it. There's so many. Nathan Morris was a part of it. There's so many guys that have been like, the results are fantastic. 
But imagine what it looks like when it's maintained and sustained and, and it just explodes because the priesthood of all believers and we're ministering all over. the It's just in the marketplace and, and, and the, and the wineskin can handle the wine. That's really what we're talking about. The actual wineskin or the banks are in place so the river can flow from the throne. The banks, in a sense, direct the river because where there's no banks, the river goes into a marsh. There's no life in the marsh. The banks contain the river. There's something powerful about banks and river. River isn't just a spirit manifestation. To me, the river of God is the life of God. Wherever it comes in the expression of the spirit manifesting or the word of God being taught. The word being preached, Jesus says, my words, they are spirit. They are life. You could have sat under Jesus' teaching. You would have been filled with the Holy Spirit. You burn from within. You burn because of the preaching of the Word and the teaching of Jesus. It would have burned and your spirit feels fed. And, and you know, and a lot of times demons just came out that way. You can get healed by listening to the preaching of the Word. So you don't, don't differentiate it. That's my point. It's the life of God. But the banks, I believe, is this, is actually submitting to God's way and God's pattern. Because there's something about trust. If God says this is how we're supposed to do church, let's do church that way. If the Bible says there's elders, deacons, saints, then I'm going to believe elders, deacons, saints. And the fivefold ministry, I'm going to believe it. You with me? God's restoring. We're, in a risk. we're actually in a process of reformation still today. The unity of the faith. If we're looking at the wrong stuff, we're waiting until we all come into the same methodology, same style, same personality. I mean, you go to different countries in the world, they do church completely different. Go to Africa, completely different. Go to India, completely different. Go to China, completely different culture. Same preaching, same words, same truth, same Jesus, same Holy Spirit, but different expression and manifestation. You're not going to find unity when we... Like, you know, we, we get upset with... Oh, that church, uh, they raise their hands and they dance and they shout. And it's like, that's, that's, that's an expression. And someone doesn't do any of that. And we think, we, we th- oh, they're not, they're not on fire. They're not alive. No, don't, don't judge from outward appearance. It's the unity of the faith. We, you know, when you get this truth correctly, I, I believe the enemy loves it. He plays, it's a field day. The whole COVID situation, man, the devil was d- trying to divide the church based on masks. To wear a mask or not to wear a mask? Who's trying to divide the church about vaccinations? To vaccinate or not to vaccinate? It's a minor issue. It should never separate the unity of the faith. Or else you end up becoming, that becomes your focal point and that, you end up fighting on a front that God never actually called you to fight on. He, taught, he called us to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And this is all going to come together when we actually go back to the, 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 the words of Jesus and go back to the mission of Jesus and go back to how he preached the gospel. What did he preach? He preached the gospel of the kingdom. So when we preach the gospel, it should always be in the context of the kingdom. There is a king and there's a kingdom. So when you repent and believe the gospel, you repent and it says the kingdom of God is at hand. What was he presenting? The kingdom of God is available. It's at hand. Let me demonstrate it, Jesus said. And he prays for the sick, heals the sick, raises the dead. Wow, the kingdom is here. Repent and accept the kingdom. So our message needs to be the kingdom. And I believe as the church, which I believe is happening, the focus is all coming back to the king and his kingdom. Focus is coming back to Jesus. Because when you read here, the unity of the faith, it goes on to, of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
So these five-fold ministry will do their ministry to, to the equipping of the saints, so the saints do the work of the ministry, so the intent that until they come to the knowledge, the word knowledge is full discernment of sons of God. Literally that. I used to always read that as full discernment of um, seeing Jesus as the son of God. Like the revelation knowledge of Jesus being the son of God. It's always pointed towards him. It's actually talking about the full discernment of you being a son of God. That's your identity. Knowing who you are as a child of God. I'm actually a child of God. Actually believing it. Jesus believed it so much that when he fasted, he got tempted to turn stone into bread. I've had some long fasts. I've never heard the voice of the devil saying, turn that stone into bread. My identity is a little bit different to Jesus. I've got a lot of growing to do. But Jesus was actually tempted to turn stone into bread because he knew he could. That's his identity. And so the fivefold ministry, and I believe it, it takes the fivefold ministry to actually bring us into a full discernment of us being sons of God. And it goes on to say, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's our destiny, being predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. If you don't believe that you could be transformed to become like Jesus, you've put a ceiling on yourself already. If you just think, oh, no, we, you know, we're sinful and we've got flesh and, you know, it's just the way we're created or my parents used to lose their temper. It's in my blood. I'm Italian. We're hot-blooded. We lose that temper all the time. It's just the way we are. And the Lebanese go, yeah, we're hot-blooded too. We, we lose our temper. And the Irish go, yeah, we're hot-blooded too. And it, it's, it's, you limit yourself because you believe that rather than the Word of God. Let's just believe what the Word of God says. I love this. Is as a result... We no longer be like little children. That, 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 to be ch- that word children is a non-speaking child. You know, in other words, he doesn't know how to speak. He's such a baby, he doesn't know how to speak. Because when you grow up into maturity, you can speak with authority. You know how to speak. You, have ex- you exercise your authority. And carried about by every wind of teaching. That's happened, that's happened to the church. A wind of teaching comes in and we, oh, it's the new thing. Let's go do that. It's pragmatic. It looks like it works. Other churches, wow, that's a big church. They, it works for them. Let's do that. And we keep quoting all the churches that look like they're succeeding. In the physical. Instead of, this is the blueprint. And then it goes on. But speaking the truth in love, verse 15, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. So what does the fivefold ministry gifts do? They point us to grow up into Him. The fivefold ministry points us to Jesus, not to themselves. Like I said, they, 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 you walk away going, wow, isn't Jesus amazing? And it goes on to say, from whom the whole body, in, into Him, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted together, held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. Each and every one of us is the working part that builds itself up in love. You know, if we build biblically, we will see a church. Like if, if, if any, ask, any, ask any pastor, any apostle, any prophet, any, any, any evangelist and say, hey, do you want to build biblically? Everyone's going to go, yeah, of course we want to build biblically. I want to build according to the Bible. Everyone will say it. And I say it. But when it comes to, okay, actually build biblically. If it's in the Bible, we want to do it. If it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to do it just because the church culture does it. 
And so if it's in the Word, great, let's do that. Let That brings freedom. You following? A biblically divine blueprint, building according to what the Word of God says, makes Jesus preeminent. A made man church that's not biblically, you know, blueprint is going to have man, uh, so it's going to have Jesus added. So you, you got Jesus, but just add him at the end. Add him. Like, you know, accept Jesus and he'll make your life better. Instead of accept, re- repent and accept Jesus as king over your life. The king of the kingdom. It's context. The gospel has its context in the kingdom. Or else it becomes a gospel of salvation. We preach the gospel of salvation so long that we just save us from our sins. And that's, that's as little as we go, oh, you got saved from our sin. Or come and help me in my life, Jesus. Give me joy. Give me happiness. Give me what I need. Rather than bowing the knee to King Jesus, who is the King of the kingdom of God. In the biblical blueprint, you have Jesus, uh, you have us building towards Jesus, but in the wrong model is building towards yourself. Unconsciously, you build people to trust you. It's like celebrity status, and if a leader is looked up to and everything, and if they fall, the, the church falls apart. And that's happened. We've seen that too many times. Um, if a man keeps his eyes, if a man or a woman takes his eyes off Jesus and they fall, it shouldn't make the church fall apart if you build properly. Because your faith is in Christ, the chief cornerstone. And by the way, Ephesians 2.20 says the apostles and prophets are, are the, the foundation that we build the church upon. The apostles and prophets. And yet they're the ones, were the ones we didn't believe in the most from the 80s and 90s. Go back to the 40s, 50s. We believe in healing evangelists. We believe in uh, pastors. We believe in teachers. But we didn't believe in apostles and prophets. They were, the, they were the very last gifts to be restored. Still being restored, coming into the process of it more and more. But interesting that they were the foundation. Um, I, I, I mean, I can go on and on and on. Like, you know, you want to equip the saints or you want to tickle their ears and entertain them. You want to have family or do you want to have like a corporate, uh, like an organization? You know, do you want to have priesthood of all believers or do you want to have hierarchy, only a few are anointed? Do you want to have um, be in church everywhere 24-7? That's what we're supposed to have. Or from doing church just on Sundays? We go to church. We're not being the church. And when, when you hear that, you say, of course we want to build biblically. I want a church like that, the biblical blueprint. You know, we want a going and sending people that changes the society and changes the marketplace. Or do you want to just gather a crowd for a Sunday? In the biblical blueprint, you've got teamwork and body, or you've got a one-man show. Gospel of the kingdom versus gospel of salvation. Making disciples versus making decisions. We can go on and on and on. But I found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this really stuck out to me. I just want to show you something. We won't go through all of it, but I'll just show you chapter 12, verse 27. And the whole chapter is talking about the body of Christ. Just like your body is a unit yet made up of many members. It is one. Think about this for a second. Your body is one. I, I, you and I operate as one. My brain, my mind, my signals, everything's operating as one when it works properly. My functions, the, the, the parts of the body are completely different, but they all work towards the health of the body. It gets um, instructions from the head. And so it is with Christ. And so in this context of the whole chapter of the revelation of the body, he goes on to say in verse 27, now you, are Christ, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed, he hasn't changed the subject, he's still talking about body, 
God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets. He actually is not wasting words. The way you build a church is first apostles because they lay foundation. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. And he goes, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. And the list could have went on and on and on. He goes, says, all are not apostles, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles. So what he's trying to say is, apostle is a function in the body. Prophet is another function in the body. And, and so on. And teachers are as well. When I saw that, I realized... I never really saw that the five-fold ministry is a function part of a body. So I, I picture, because I, I heard this prophecy many, many years ago um, about the sleeping giant. And I think it was by Tommy Hink, Hicks in Argentina. And he had a dream and he saw a sleeping giant over the whole globe. This sleeping giant was from the feet from the north to the south, is like lying down, his hands spread right across and as he gets up, all these creatures were letting go, and he's half asleep. And, 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 then, and he'd get up, all these ugly thousands and millions of demons on him, like dirt, fall off. And then he, and he put his hand towards the, hand, uh, the heavens. And eventually, when he woke up, and he, as he got up, he lifted his hands towards the sky and the clouds. And apparently, the clouds started to turn silver, pour down rain onto the giant. And the giant, the rain of glory fell on the giant, and it disintegrated into millions and millions of people on the earth. And those millions of people went out with power and authority and healing the sick. And he was saying, he saw, he saw that's going to happen. That sleeping giant's waking up. And so I pictured if, if the apostle is a part of a body, body parts, if the apostle is supposed to be ascending one, the word apostle means to be sent. My feet represent movement and, and you know, moving around and mobility. If I, if I don't have an apostle, apostolic ministry or apostles, Laying down foundation, apostles' ministry with a fivefold ministry, you've got an immobile body. If the eyes are the prophets, because they see, you'd be blind. Imagine the body of Christ in the earth and is blind. And if your hands are pastoral, hands on, loving, caring, you know, doing the works of love, if their hands are, you'd have no hands because the pastor's not operating. And if the evangelist was the spokesman and speaking, preaching the gospel, you'd have no, mm. Mm. I'm blind, I can't even open my eyes, but I can't even talk. That's what the body has looked like in the past, without reformation, without revelation, without growing into the fullness of what we're supposed to be. We've been so weak compared to what God sees. But I'm telling you, the the. the Prophets are arising, they're starting to see, and they're functioning in the body. The apostles are arising, they're, they're, they're mobile and moving with the body of Christ. And the, the, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, it's only when they all work together. We still haven't seen what it looks like when we actually work together. That's our heart, that's our dream. That's why we put this in him conference. That's our heart and dream for this city. What does it look like when the church actually believes we're one church? Not because you belong to the denomination. So this is what I'm saying. When we relate to a only denomination, then you're not going to have all the five-fold ministry in that one given denomination, more likely. You might have some. You might have all five. But you still are missing out when God himself, Jesus, gave the gifts to the whole body of Christ. And I think the internet world, the fact that we can have exposure to great teaching is helping this happen. It really is. It's God's way of getting us matured up because we can be exposed to the best teachers in the world. 
best pastors, evangelists teach. Make sure you get authentic, gifted people. Not the wrong stuff that's out there. But I really believe God is waking us up. The sleeping giant. And I'm dream, I dream, we dream, what does it look like working together? What does it look like when, imagine, like we say, well, how do we reach the city? I reckon together. We've been doing it on our own, fighting our own little trenches, our own little battles, keeping the enemy at bay. I'm on the trench. Oh, come on, I can't, I can't get my eyes off the enemy. Like, you can't even stop for a second to work together. And working together is what actually gives you the victory. So how do you reach a city? Well, get a stadium. But guess what? A stadium needs $500,000 probably. But if you had 400 churches, 500 churches at $5,000 each, you can do it. Get great evangelists coming in. Get apostles coming in. And, and seeing our city one together. Oh, but who's going to get the, the spoils? Like, who's going to get the souls? Everyone. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm excited. You can see. It, it's, it's, it's catching I know it takes trust. I know that. But that's what the fivefold ministry is going to do. It takes love. It takes trust. Persevering with one another because of our insecurities, our fears. But when you work together, because you trust, I believe God can build something so powerful. Wonderful. If we have the worship team come up, we're going to... We, we've got the whole team here and we, we're going to have some time of ministry and, and worshipping our King Jesus and the fivefold ministry going to flow. Just pray for people, minister, minister life. Let's just open up our hearts to Him, Amen. We we know the gifts are from Jesus, so let's worship Him, glorify Him. Let's see what the Lord wants to do in our in our midst, in our in our hearts. So let me just pray, Father. We thank you so much for Your Word. We thank you for the blueprint of Your Word that is so clear in the Bible on how we're supposed to do this kingdom life. Jesus, You're the head of the church. The the commanding chief. Lord, we thank you. As you command your angel armies, millions and millions and hundreds and millions of them, you command your body of Christ. You're the true head of the church. Come, Lord, in our city, and we pray through revelation knowledge, we'll see each other as one. That we'd work together, love one another, help one another, put resources to one another. Lord, outreach together and see the lost saved. Bring revival to our city as one. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Do it in our hearts. We open up our hearts to the fivefold ministry gifts that you have given. We give you praise for that. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.